welcome back to the Hot Out Hoops podcast. We're back in 2023. We took a little break for the holidays and, uh, well, for me, the World Cup. I'm sure for maybe a lot of you out there, too. Uh, but now we're back in the swing of things and welcoming uh, Dan, Matt, and Brandon to uh, to this latest episode. And uh, we, got, uh, through a little bit of heartbreak, uh, lost yet another heartbreaking loss uh, last night against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that and a bunch of other topics. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Good. Okay. Doing all right. Doing all right. It's been a while. It's yeah. Like, when could, was could the be last better. Time? Well, you know, the outcome was different last night, but I'm excited to talk about some Heat basketball. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's start with you. You uh, This is your first time here on the podcast, Dan. Uh, you're one of our newer writers. Um, what do you feel about this Heat team? I know they've won. They've been on a bit of a hot-ish streak uh the last couple of weeks but it's been punctuated by these by these confounding losses uh how do you how do you take a step back and and really see the big picture of what's going on with the heat lately well i feel like the biggest issue and this was pretty much expected before the season started was the lack of big man depth you take bam out like last night bam getting hurt there's not many other bigs to choose from who can fill into that spot. I know Orlando Robinson's been giving us some good minutes, but it would be nice to have a already established big who can, you know, take some pressure off of Bam, both rebounding and scoring and paint defense. So with the ups and downs that the season has brought, I think it's, it's pretty clear that we still are lacking a traditional power forward. And, and that's definitely not a knock on Caleb Martin. Cause I think he's done great for the role that he's been asked to do. Just watching Caleb Martin though, over the last two seasons, I do feel like he's a more natural small forward. And I think that him being a small forward off the bench could be big for the team to make him more comfortable. And since he is longer with a, a bigger wingspan than some of the small forwards we have, like Struess, I think that even defensively off the bench, he could excel in that role, you know, guarding smaller guys, which we've seen him do plenty of times over the last couple of years. But it really just comes down to that power forward position. I think if we are able to not even have to make a huge splash at the deadline, just a serviceable, maybe a three and D guy that can fill in that gap and make Caleb more comfortable in a bench role as a small forward. I think that can really change how this season ends up. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and Matt, uh, to you, uh, do you think that, and I agree with Dan hundred percent on, on that, but did you see any other factors maybe about last night that it's like, oh, man, you know, there's just one thing or two things that are just missing from this Heat team and they can beat teams like Brooklyn? Well, the thing that has kind of surprised me throughout this year is the lack of just movement, whether it's ball movement or specifically player movement. Um, it feels like this year's Heat team is more stagnant when it comes to moving, cutting, uh, stagger screens. Like, it's just not... It's not as frequent. It's easier to defend Jimmy and Bam when you have three other guys around them either standing around. They're not cutting. They're not screening. They're not. It's a, it's a lot more stagnant than I can remember previous Heat teams were. Like, that's what I liked about 
a few years ago, like when Duncan was emerging, I'm like Miami would have these sets and they would run these actions to where he, I mean, he's, he's not stopping. He's running all over the floor, whether he's cutting, whether he's actually screening himself to open up someone else. Um, and so that's what, that's what's, I mean, I, that's why I think they're probably one of the, they're one of the worst offensive teams in the league, but I think that's the reason why it's because, I mean, there are times when Jimmy's cutting along the baseline on pick and rolls or, um, Struce is flying off uh, a screen or whatever, or like, or just not just Struce, but just anyone in particular. But it's not, it's not as frequent. And like when you hit, when they've hit these offensive walls, um, it's been a lot of ISO balls, not a lot of shot creations on the floor. They're they're, they're not athletic enough um, to get downhill a lot of the time, or at least some of the time without a screen, which isn't a bad thing, but like when players aren't moving around, like you can only do so much with, with a roster that isn't very athletic and the Miami heat in all honesty, aren't very athletic, but the reason why they compensated that um, over the last several years has been because of that player movement, setting screens for each other. Like PJ was a great example of that. Um, Mm -hmm. He, he wouldn't, yeah. Like he's historically over his career been stashed in the corner. Like he wasn't Houston. Like he kind of has been this year in Philly when he was in Milwaukee for half a season, he was stashed in the corner. Um, but like when he was with Miami, I've said this, I think to you guys before I've said it in other spaces as well. Like Miami used him differently. He would be a handoff initiator. He would be a cutter. He would be an off ball screener. Like, and heck he would create for himself even off those opportunities. Like it wasn't, he was, he wasn't, just stashed in the corner. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't like that necessarily towards the second half of last year, but it was, it was like that a decent amount. And I just like to see the players move more and do weak side actions to, to, to open up opportunities for themselves. And you never know when you move the defense miscommunicates and heck you could slip up for an, you could slip for an open bucket. Like it's, it's things like that, that like has been missing for me when you don't have a roster just full of athletic talent, which the heat don't have. Yeah. And if you don't have that player movement, and you don't have shots taken in rhythm. Uh, what I've noticed is this heat, the three-point shooting is not what it's been like the last couple of years. Right. And I think just about everybody is shooting worse, or maybe Tyler is shooting more or less what he's always mm-hmm. shot. Max isn't shooting the way he used to. Duncan, of course not. Uh, Lowry didn't Lowry didn't really add to the team. It, it, it made him a better three-point shooting team. Uh, and so that also makes it a lot easier to dial in on, on a player that's penetrating like Butler. If you know, hey, there's not really I mean, Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent isn't even a, a three point threat either. So yeah, where where is that outside shooting going to come from? Uh, Brandon, do you have any other insight into what is causing this this uh, this Heat team to really not be able to play consistently all season long? I mean, if I did, I'd be working for the team, right? But um, <laughs> I can I can only I can only speculate. And I mean, like um, I've said my piece on uh, last night's game. Uh, if you want to read my recap, it's available at hahahoops.com, and I dive pretty deep into it. But yeah, I think everything you guys mentioned is uh, absolutely correct. Um, there's things about this team that I dislike. Uh, I like it's it's been the it's, it's over the last five seasons, scoring lulls have been a true thing. Like uh, there. Aside, you know, like since D Wade's been gone, there's been no true secondary score uh, for the Heat. I'd say, you know, th- I guess that's not entirely true because you have two guys who are averaging like 20, 20 points a game right now, and that could- three. Oh yeah, three. three. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you got J- Jimmy, Bam, and uh, Hero. Um, but it's you know, it's just uh, when you need the points, they're just not always there, and you enter these scoring droughts. 
uh, Vic the other night, uh, really, you know, putting on his uh, old Indiana shorts and showing that he could uh, still get it done. Uh, that was a welcome surprise. And I really thought yesterday after he hit those uh, two threes uh, uh, would be the case uh, once again. But, um, you know, I think he's still kind of getting back in the swing of things. I will say this, you know, like uh, it hasn't been fun to watch the Miami Heat season, you know, it, uh, not not compared to other years. Uh, I was initially excited that the games were going down to the wire earlier in the season. And now it just frustrates the hell out of me. This yesterday was the 29th clutch game of the season. So a game that, you know, uh, for those who don't know what that is, it's the game decided by five points or less in the, uh, in the final minutes. Um, and, you know, that's like how many of those have we lost at this point? Um, it's, I don't think Miami's barely won games by double digits. And I think they've won double the games by double digits this time last year. Right. So currently we're 21 and 20, which is all the makings of a average team. But I will say over the last two games, the, the, uh, the one against Phoenix and, uh, obviously last night, I'll say that's the best basketball. I think the heat have played the season. So there is room for positivity, but you know, it's, uh, it definitely is. Uh, two steps forward, one step back. I think every time we watch these guys, because it's a uh, you know, Bam played an exceptional game yesterday with the highlight dunk too, and just absolutely murdered Joe Harris. Rest in peace. You've been Jason Terry. Um, <laughs> but uh, and and I like Joe Harris, but man, oof. Um, that being said, it's uh, you know, and then Hero in the final in the final seconds, just uh, is slipping on the court, which is absolutely unacceptable in the NBA. Um. You know, so it's like, okay, so how how long do do we lose these guys for? And then, you know, was that a foul on Jimmy Butler, obviously? And, you know, these and when it comes down to this point of the year, Miami loses, loses a few games by, you know, a few points. Like you have the Tyrese Halliburton game winner. You have the Josh Hart game winner. You have Jimmy not getting a no call last night. These are all losses that add up and affect the seedings and really make a difference. Um, I want to say the same thing in Wade's. Uh, one last dance here. Miami was middling pretty much uh, the whole season and they lost a lot of games by single digits to like the Hawks or, you know, oh, this was uh, the two minute report would come out and they'd it, w- it would say, you know, Miami kind of got screwed in, in this sense or this sense, you know, and they ended up with a, cra- a really bad seed and they went, uh, they went uh, up against a tough Philly team. So it's like, it, these are difference makers when it comes to seedings. And obviously now with the play in, it's a difference maker too. So, I think the Heat are playing better. Um, I think that's a little bit of room for positivity and maybe they can figure stuff out. But like to echo um, both your sentiments uh, from before, they absolutely need to make a transaction. Um, you know, the, the, I agree. Caleb is not a true power board. He's more of a small board. There needs to be some kind of backup big. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, like, you know, I, I think the mechanic needs some mechanics. Um, and, and, and as much as I've enjoyed the guy, like I think he's past his prime. Orlando Robinson is doing some fantastic. He's giving fantastic minutes, you know. Uh, and he he needs that backup center position. Like, there's no excuse to play Dwayne at this point. Um, but yeah, and I mean, this is one that we can kind of get into. Uh, because I've been a very vocal Kyle Lowry supporter for much of the season. I mean, up until four games ago, he was putting up the same statistics he did in his championship year with the Raptors. And he gave great, great minutes while he was the Heat's Iron Man. But, you know, I must say, even after defending him all this time, you can't go the last four games shooting 20% from three and just not being a scorer at all. Like the winning plays are still there, but 
Uh, I also, I also don't think he should be traded this season, but like it may be, maybe it's time to figure it out because his role is not the same as last season. And um, I'll let y'all kind of jump in on sure. that too. I'm throwing Kyle to the wolves for you. <laughs> I want to talk about your backup big point. Oh yeah. Um, I thought about, I was actually thinking about this today. I don't want my Nevada bias to shine too brightly here, but like how important would it like, not necessarily now, but like just over the last few seasons, like how big of a player would like, a JaVale McGee make like the last like three years, a huge, like he's a very good, he, I mean, at least not this year with Dallas. I mean, he's what he's practically out of the rotation. I don't know if he's played a whole lot, but like he was a very good rebounder where he is. I mean, yeah, he was a very good rebounder. He's like a good vertical spacer. He can protect the rim. Like he can give you kind of that, like, he can he can muck it up for an opposing team. I mean, he heck he did it when he was in Phoenix a little bit when he was at the Lakers, obviously in the finals. But like, he can give you like fifteen to twenty like good minutes a night. And like, I feel like year after year, aside from that sixteen whatever sixteen eighteen game sample that Deadman had um, in the COVID shortened year, like Miami's needed a backup big for like a while now. And, like, a player like JaVale McGee, I mean, I think he's, like, 34 now, so it's not – I don't think that's a realistic option. But, like, a player like him, at least at the time when he was very productive, like, Miami could have used a player like that for a while now. And it's just kind of just slipped under the rug. I mean, not slipped under the rug in the sense that, like, yeah, we know we need to back him big now. But, like, a player kind of like him, I mean, he's big. He's, like, seven foot, seven foot one. Um, he's he's a lengthy athletic presence. Um, at least he was just a few years ago. Uh, but like a player like him would like really reap benefits right now. And um, I'm not sure if he's like declined or whatnot, but like that, I mean, that's a name. I don't think that's the, like the exact player, but like kind of that prototype. I mean, Orlando isn't super athletic. I mean, Orlando's getting the job done, but like we still probably need to address that by the deadline because Deadman can't, Deadman hasn't been good. I mean, I don't, it doesn't take a genius to like say that. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that. Like he just hasn't been good with Miami and um, like even Orlando Robinson, like he's had his, he's had his slip ups here and there, but that's like just what happens to rookies. Um, Look, but man, like, I will go get Joel Anthony right now. Like it's <laughs> not far from mine. <laughs> I will go get white side, baby. Bring out my, t- <laughs> man. I hate that. It was a joke that I made in an earlier podcast, but I think like, uh, to, to, to echo five on the floor last night, I was like, I think, I think, I think Spo would quit on the spot. <laughs> but well, no, the heat yeah, like a player of that, like tight mold, just 15, 20 minutes. I mean, you don't have to run him out there. I mean, cause it's like what we've seen this year when Bam's not on the floor, it's just been so, it's been so brutal. And that's, I mean, heck, that's why they're losing the leads in some of these games. I mean, it's not the sole reason, but it's a reason. It's, it's kind of a big reason, too. Yeah. Well, but, but don't the Heat have Yurt Seven? I mean, he that's hasn't true. played a minute. Yep. He's starting to get healthy just now, but that is the guy true. was a double double machine last season. Very, very so, true. And if you look at the roster, uh, I mean, really, Haslam, you know, um, uh, then you have you have you have Yurt Seven hasn't played a minute yet. Um, you have Haywood Highsmith, uh, and then you have Caleb, who's playing out of position. Um, like you were like like Dan was saying, he's a small forward. So I mean, really, where is this fix going to come from? I mean, Dan, do you do you see anything that he can do in the short term to fix this up? At least until there's 
I, I don't know. I don't know if Yurt Sivan is even going to be NBA ready by the time he comes back. And, and when will that be? I mean, is there somebody right now that can help besides Joel Anton? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's definitely some options. There's, it's not impossible that we can, you know, acquire that player who is willing to do the dirty work. Someone who's willing to play hard defense, get those boards, just have a presence out on the court. And we've had that with P.J. Tucker. We've had that with Jay Crowder. And right. we've made deep playoff runs when having that player who's willing to do the dirty work. So having someone like that, not even saying a all-star caliber player, just a role player who's willing to do that work can make a big difference. And we've seen it over the years because when we have that player – we've made deep playoff runs. Even in the 2021 season, I know we underperformed following the finals run, but Deadman was actually that guy who was willing to do the dirty work that year. And yes, Deadman, it shows statistically that he's regressed, but something in that sort of ballpark, just a role-playing hard-nosed, dirty player who can just give us some hard minutes. I mean, maybe it could be a Jay Crowder reunion. I don't know. I mean, I've been hearing reports that Miami would be interested if they're able to get a buyout. So that could be an option. I know a lot of things have to factor into him actually getting that buyout, but that's an option. Um, Maybe even a player like Jared Vanderbilt who's on the jazz that that's someone who can, you know, give some good minutes as, as a big and add some more depth to the team. I mean, in every he fans dream world, I would have to say it's John Collins. Of course. I, I know that he's available. I know both sides mutually have been wanting to get a trade done for so long I know he has relationships with players like Bam, who's already on the Heat. I I could see something like that being one of the biggest acquisitions of Heat history, actually. What about a current free agent? What about someone like LaMarcus Aldridge who's just sitting at home who Miami was in on just a year, just a couple of years ago? You know, like uh, if we're going for broken parts that don't cost anything or someone that you could get a good hard 10 minutes out of, like – like, uh, he retired and then came back. If, uh, I mean, still got a soft touch around the rim. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. Like, I'm just, I'm scrolling the NBA free agents right now. I mean, <laughs> Matt, I, I see Matt shaking, Matt shaking his head. You can't see face now, but like Dwayne, Dwayne Dedman was out of the league too. And we just got yeah, two quality years out of it. Yeah. You know, Miami has, Miami takes reclamation projects and they make them serviceable for what they need them to be. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, after that, we'll discuss how exactly the Heat could maybe pull off a trade and see which players could be desirable by other teams. Uh, so we'll be right back after this short break. All right, so we're back after our little break and um, discussing really what's up with the Heat, <laughs> what's going on with them, uh, how could they possibly get better uh, if there's any room for upgrades. Um, I, I agree with, with Brandon, this, this team hasn't been very fun to watch this year and I'm, 
I'm I'm an old school. I mean, I'm 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 older than you guys. Okay, I'm gonna age myself. <laughs> I started liking the Heat when Sherman Douglas played on the team. Okay, and I lived in L.A. and he signed a restricted uh, free agent deal with the Lakers, and I was so excited. And I'm like, Heat, don't match it, don't match it, don't match it. They matched it, so he he, he stayed with the Heat. I don't know if anybody okay. remembers that, but I remember it. Um, so, but but going back to that, the, I I always liked those bad Heat teams. Even if they were bad, they still played with heart. They would still get. They would. There would still be a few players here and there on that roster that were likable. And and I still feel like this Heat team. If you're going into a playoff series with Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Tyler Hero, that I mean that you're starting there. That's a pretty good lineup right there because you're having three guys that have experience going deep into the playoffs. Even two of them that are pretty young. So from that template. Is any is everyone else expendable? Would you trade Tyler Hero to 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 improve other aspects of the team? What what could be done in the short term? Because long term, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't want to be a pessimistic about this season. Uh I don't know what the ceiling is for this team at this point. I think something has to be done. I'm just not sure what. And which teams would be interested in 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 their in their players. Because, uh, yeah, they're not going to give up down. I mean, teams have called, supposedly. <laughs> the Heat are hanging up, r- rightfully so. But if a team comes calling for somebody else, does Pat Riley listen? I mean, it's, it's, Jimmy Butler's not getting any, old, uh, any younger. So, and neither is Lowry. So the time is now. I mean, you guys have, I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think? <laughs> well, I want to start by saying that. I definitely don't think we should trade Tyler Hero. I that's it's a possibility of a route that we could go. Like as you said, like you know, getting rid of one positive aspect of our roster to get to fill another gap. Like it makes sense in that sort of aspect, but just because of how young he is and the potential, the ceiling is not even reached yet. I, He's having the best year of his career so far. You could make the all-star case for him as well. He's been hitting some big-time shots. I don't see us doing something as drastic as that. If we're not able to get our hands on, you know, like a player, like how I mentioned before, like Collins, or even cheaper options, like a Crowder if he's bought out, or just something along those lines – how about the Haywood Highsmith experience or experiment? Sorry, that's what I meant. Hey, I mean, Haywood, he's he's filled in for some starts when we've had uh, injuries to Caleb. I think he's played great. I, I really do. And Haywood is not someone that I think is talked about enough at all. Uh, Haywood Highsmith is a player who actually compared himself him himself to PJ Tucker earlier this year, he was interviewed and he said that he sees similarities in his game. And when I said, when I saw that in the summer, I was just like, I'm not really too sure where he's coming from with that. I was, I was very, you know, not in agreement with a statement like that, just knowing what PJ brought and how much better he made the heat. But seeing him throughout the season periodically getting more minutes when needed, 
you can see some similarities, not all of them. They're not the same player by any means, but you can see some similarities and you can kind of say, all right, like I kind of see where he was coming from when he said that the, the one-on-one defense, the, the little things like the deflections and the extra effort on the rebounds. I mean, the one-on-one defense alone, I think from Haywood Highsmith is spectacular. Um, he started in Phoenix two games ago and he had zero points, but he still impacted the game in a positive way. I think he had about seven rebounds. He might've had a steal and a block and some solid one-on-one defense. I mean, if we're not going to pull the trigger and make a move for someone like Collins or even make a move for a cheaper option, why not try, at least try the Haywood experiment? Keep him at the starting power forward. Move Caleb back to the small forward role off the bench where he's more natural offensively and more dynamic defensively being a longer wingspan uh, player on defense. It, it'd be huge to see Caleb get off of guarding the bigs and to see him guarding the wings. That's where Caleb excels the most, guarding wing players on the defensive end. So I, that's something that I would I would at least think about. Dan, I see and, your point. I got to inherently disagree with you. Um, all right. All but right. but I'll, 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 try to, I'll try to back it up with some tangible points. Haywood okay. um, Highsmith, I'd say he's performed better than I thought he would. You know, like uh, even last night, he was uh, when with Miami struggling to score, uh, especially in the first quarter. He brought those seven points like that, and he has those he has those flashes where it's like, okay, like you don't think he's going to score, uh, but then he can deliver in bunches like that. And his defense has been exceptional. The problem with, in my opinion, with starting Haywood Highsmith is he's still learning. These are the most minutes that I think he's really played as an NBA player. And like, because of that, he will make mistakes that are more on the rookie end than anything. If you're starting, you can't afford to do that. They will cost the heat buckets. And I do agree that he brings more good than he agrees than he brings bad. It's just like in a situation now where you're 21 and 20, you're entering a hard, uh, pretty hard stretch in the schedule. You can't afford any gaps. Like Miami needs to get away from, you know, being in clutch situation games. And I think Haywood Highsmith, despite the fact that he will bring a lot of good, um, I think those gaps get you in situations like that. So when Caleb's back, I think, I think he's done an exceptional job and earned his starting spot. Um, until my, un- unless Miami does make a trade, I would say you leave it, you leave it with Caleb at this point. And Haywood continues to get his minutes. His contract got guaranteed. He deserves it. But, uh, you know, that and the fact that I'll never forgive him for ruining that Wade fast break in the playoffs um, when he was playing for Philly. Uh, but, but, but other than that, no, uh, it, it's like, I, I don't, I don't think he should be starting at, at this point, but like to your point, he has played well. It's just, uh, that's what I worry about. Um, you know, what are the, cha- what are the, what other choices do the Heat have? Though? I mean, if you really look at this roster, um, uh, but Highsmith doesn't shoot the ball particularly well. Um, he's second to last on the team in, in two point, two point field goal percentage. So, I mean, it, somebody like him, he has to score. Uh, yeah. but, um, I mean, I'm looking at this roster. It's, it's, it's rough because you're already starting with one less player, 14. Then you have Haslam that's 13. Then you have a bunch of guys that are in and out of the lineup all the time. Um, 
I, I, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it from here, how the heat can drastically change their fortunes just from the roster alone. But I, I don't know, uh, Matt, do you see anything where they can shuffle the lineup somehow and get some more production out of maybe a, a bench player that's been stashed like, like a Jamal Kane. He played well in the preseason. Um, actually he played pretty well in the preseason. They had, they had a few of the youngsters playing. Jamal Kane was the best one of, of those. Um, you're at seven. I only, he only played like one game. Yeah. It was just, one. but, um, but then they kind of went away from the, the youngsters and got into that regular rotation. Uh, but again, players have been in and out of the lineup. I mean, as a Caleb Martin apologist, uh, I'd say probably stick with him at least for a little while when he's healthy. I mean, Haywood, just the problem with Haywood is just the spacing. Having a lineup with Jimmy Bam and Haywood and start like as a like a regular starting lineup that just doesn't doesn't seem very like doesn't seem like it would generate good offense over a prolonged period of time. I mean, it's not like starting a game isn't as important as closing a game. So, I mean, that might just be moot in the end. I mean, they, heck, Martin might be the six man or whatever. He might be one of the first guys off the bench for uh, for Haywood in that situation. But I don't think that would be the option. I mean, I, you're kind of hard-pressed for options, as yeah. you just mentioned. Like, it's it, there's not very many out there. I mean, I was going to make a joke just being like, oh, yeah, Jamal Kane, But, like, I don't – I think we all agree that that isn't the greatest – since he's barely even gotten any NBA experience, that's obviously right. not the greatest I mean, like, it, plan it, of action. We were just saying that Haywood doesn't have much experience. I mean, he's even been in the league longer than Jamal Kane. So, like, I, yeah, right. I, I'd play Highsmith over Jamal Kane for sure. Right. Um, other than that, like – And Jovic, he's too young. He's injured right now, but he's, he's not ready for the NBA either. I, mean, I agree with that. 19 yeah. either. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess the other answer, I mean, if I, I didn't even think about the guys who are injured right now, but like Duncan would be like the first guy off my list, maybe. Or or I would probably have a starting lineup with uh, Lowry, Hero, Oladipo, or Struess, and then uh, Jimmy at the four. But that Jimmy at the four is probably your best bet, right? Like if we if we were if we were to change the lineup today, we would like probably the, have either Jimmy or constructed. Right. As the mm. roster is currently constructed, I'd probably say Jimmy, Jimmy at the firm. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs, how you would surround him with shooters and, and then uh, bam, and it would work. But like right now. Now that it, it does. Right. Work. And I, and we've seen lineups where we've gone three guards with Jimmy at the four and, right. bam at the five. and right. it's, it, it does, it does work. It's worked, but I see that more of a closing lineup than a starting mm-hmm. lineup. Right, I, I agree. I agree. But like, if we're if we're talking about like which lineups, like if I were to if I were to shape around the starting lineup, which lineups, like what would I run out? That would probably be at the top of my list. Even though, as I, we agree, I'm I'm guessing Dan and I agree. I don't know about the other you guys, but um, Jimmy at the four would probably be right now our best uh, closing lineup. Unless yeah. if you want to have Caleb out there too, which is perfectly okay with me, whether you have like a hero, Oladipo, Butler, Martin, Adebayo closing lineup, or you want to have Struess instead of Martin for offensive spacing purposes. I mean, I'd probably rather have Martin in there for defense, but nevertheless, I mean, there's some options, but it's, it's limited. There's not, there's not very many options, but I think when you have, when you, when you have a roster of 14 guys, 
And one of them is Udonis Haslam. You're not going to have many options. Just it's true, especially right. with guys being injured. I think I think like it's it's you know you have to compare it to other Heat teams and stuff and other successful seasons. And I think that this Heat team is not a successful Heat team unless they make a transaction. And you know that's right. and like yep. like Pat and Mickey um, and uh, you know they they make they make trades pretty much every season around trade deadline time, at least to help the team. Like even in that middling, uh, uh, 2020, 2021 season, you know, they still traded for, uh, Trevor Ariza, you know, and I think that Denman came in that season as well. Um, yep. so it's like, and both, you know, despite the fact that Trevor Ariza was a shell of himself in that, that Milwaukee series. So, you know, it, and they traded for Vic, you know? So it's like, like they made moves to make the team a little bit better and like, they don't always pay off. You know, it was a, uh, it was a home run swing to try to get Victor, Oladipo that season and you know he got injured off that one really good dunk um right after that but it's like to that being said like they even when Miami made the finals run in the bubble they traded for Jay and they traded for Andre Iguodala so it's yeah. like they're always going to make a move and it's like there's it's not like players aren't available right now you know what I mean like uh you mm. can look at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings you know like sooner or later teams are going to start selling you know, you look at a team like Toronto, like I'm just looking at the roster right now, like I would kill for Chris Boucher to be on this team. I think he would do, I think it would be great with his spacing, his ability to shoot for mm-hmm. free. And the fact that like, you know, you, he's not getting many minutes. And every time you look in the media, Nick Nurse is just saying, oh, Chris needs to play better. Like the relationship between him and the organization is fantastic. I think he would kill it in Miami. And there's, you know, and then you want big, big help. Like Charlotte's also at the bottom of the standings. And how, how often has PJ Washington been connected to Miami? Right? <laughs> but it's like, you know, like how I take Mason Plumley, you know, like players, players like that are, are available. And you know, Pat, and Andy and Nikki are gonna are gonna try to look for something. Like I think they can all can see. Like despite the t- the the team is on an upward slant. I want to I want to say than like where they have been. Like like Syria was echoed it before. They haven't been fun to watch, but there have been players that have been fun to watch. Bam's been fun to watch. Jimmy's been fun to watch. Tyler's been fun to watch. You know those like in, like I wrote an article right before Christmas. So it's that the Heat aren't great, but the players really yep. are. Because like some of our guys are having their best seasons yet. Like Bam was an all-star a few years ago. And he was averaging what 15.9 points per game. He's averaging 21.4 and 9.9 rebounds a game. His free throw percentage is up and like that kind of thing. Like the hate have fun players. They have a good core. It's just, you know, we can't, like Surya says, like Jimmy's not getting any younger, you know, nor is Kyle, whose contract will be a lot more valuable in the offseason as an expiring. So you have to kind of take the good, good and the bad with him and hopefully he corrects it because he's really only had a stretch of four bad games. Otherwise, it was like 14 points a game and six assists, you know, but it's like you have to you have to know that like, uh, you know, that Mickey and them and, and Pat are going to swing for something come trade deadline because like otherwise it's just not a regular heat season. I don't think they're going to be comfortable with mediocrity. Like, especially like you think Pat Riley is going to be comfortable with mediocrity. There's either winning or there's misery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right now we're miserable. Right. And I feel like those kind of moves that you were referencing kind of not so much like cherry on top of a, of an already good team, but something that was fixable. But with this team, uh, I feel like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that Pat Riley would make such a major move in the mid season. I think that's something like in the summer that, that, that he would do something like that. And I mean, just to, to be positive, I think all the depots emergence, um, I mean, he started playing about a month ago, 
But these last few games, he's been playing much better. And I don't know if the, the thing is, though, Oladipo is can he sustain that? That's been, that's what I worry about. The Oladipo so. emergence has been huge because we the mm. bench has been struggling. Right. So there is no consistent him, bench score. Yeah. For him to exactly be that consistent bench score, that's that's big. And as the season goes on for the second half, Oladipo's, I, in my opinion at least, is only going to get better in his role. I don't see him getting worse. I, I can only right. see him getting more and more comfortable, granted, if he stays healthy. If, if, big if. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, but, I was looking yeah. at it today. He was their seventh and de- or sixth in defense since he's made his return. Yeah, um, since that four-game road trip in mid-December. Yeah, he's a, he's since that four-game road trip in mid-December, they're they're third in defense, I think, something like that. So I mean, yeah, it's not even just his offense; it's just his two-way play. I mean, you see him every game making deflections. Hands are active all over the place. Um, him at the point of attack at the top of the zone with either Haywood or Gabe or whomever. Like, that's a lot of length. That's a lot of defense coming at you. Um, and uh, as you guys mentioned, his offense has been at least over since kind of that New Year's Eve game against uh, Utah. Uh, that was. Yeah, he scored 23 on that, in that yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. ever since then, it's really like you really notice it. I mean, because his shot was like waning for a while. I mean, it's not like he wasn't getting any good looks or anything. It's just his shot wasn't there. And that was the first game where it really like, it really yeah. clicked. Um, the shot and, and also his quickness to the rim. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. His rim pressure has been good too. And I mean, I was, I was also like, I'm not, I, I don't want to say I was impressed, but like, I was like, not, I want to say pleasantly surprised. That. I was just, I was happy with his passing too. And some of the reads that he was making and how yeah. quick some of them were. I mean, some of them might be predetermined, but um, if, I, if I want to be nitpicky, but like for the most part, his passing has been good too. I mean, I don't want to say it's, he's been like a, like a point guard or anything, but like, he's been a, he's been a fine player. I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's, it's Victor. Oladipo. There's sometimes where he's getting a little chaotic or whatnot, but yeah. that's, that, yeah. that's just the Victor Oladipo experience. That's not something you're ever going to like, you take all that, you take the little bad with all the good that he has provided yes. lately. That's something right. that could be really important for the Heat, unless at least for this next month until um, they potentially bring in, in additional juice. Because uh, the trade and, deadline, and, by the way, is exactly a month from today. And yeah, so, and, and to wow. you know make a point about that, adding the extra juice and the deadline being in a month, just to go you know go back to some options. And uh, this is just from me reading articles that I've written on Ha Ha Hoops and in which we've been involved in rumors and reports. I mean, there's been Nerlens Noel mentioned that we've had interest in. There's been Jay Crowder, obviously, that we've had interest in, I mentioned before as well. There's been Sadiq Bey, who's a young power forward on the Pistons, and another Pistons guy, Bojan Bogdanovic, who I think would be the best case scenario, maybe even put it in the best case scenario with John Collins too. And I see it more realistic getting a player like Bogdanovich from, you know, a, a lower tiered team in the Eastern conference and the Pistons than getting Collins from a playoff contender in Atlanta. Right. I would add Lowry in there too, but not Lowry, not Kyle Lowry, but Lowry Markin, but, just Danny Ainge factor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 
that's the reason that's one reason why one of the many reasons why when i wrote the piece over the summer about i don't think they were going to get mitchell's because of the danny Ainge factor like he's not going right. to slow you donovan mitchell dude he's going to try to take all seven of your arms your entire man like he's gonna he's gonna try to like take everything from you if you want donovan mitchell i think <laughs> with the type of asset that lowry's put him he's averaging 24 a game on like 44 percent shooting from deep like he's playing like no, no one expected that but that's a i mean if they decide to trade him i don't think they'll decide to trade him maybe not at this point i don't know but like if he were hypothetically available he would be a name that i would throw out there too if danny Ainge wasn't the president of basketball ops or whatever he is with uh with right. with the jazz yeah. And and the shame that he doesn't have a better record because then you would be attracting uh, players that maybe will get bought out. I just don't see them yeah. wanting to come to Miami. They're probably going to go to the Nets or a hotter team. Uh, so I don't know if that avenue is there for the, for the Heat as well. Maybe uh, because of the pedigree. Like the pedigree of like, we know these guys are going to – like you saw the Kyrie co- quote last night. Like we know every time that we play these guys, it's just going to be a pain in the butt to play against them. It's still kind of that way now. Like – if you look at the scores of these games, we're in an era, we're in a time where scoring in the NBA has been like remarkable. Every single night you see guys dropping 40, 45 points, like, right. Or at least there's, there's that one guy, but then when you, a heat game is almost the exact opposite. Like for my degenerate betters out there, Miami's gone under. Yeah. Me too, Brandon. The guys, the heat have gone under like 11 of the last like 15 games or something like that. Like, and it's always yeah. at around like, 220, 225. Like these games are low scoring games. The Heat aren't scratching away. They're not going for 130, 140 every night. It's more of like no. we're in the 105, 110, 115 range. We're, we're gritting and grinding out victories. And that was like the stat I mentioned earlier. Um, since that one road trip in mid December, Miami's third in defense. Like they, they, they will grit and grind teams out still. I mean, that's kind of why they're playing close games is because they haven't been able to generate enough offense. Um, especially when time in, in some, at some points in times that we needed them to generate offense, but like, they're not, they're not, they're not outscoring these teams by, as Brandon previously mentioned, they're not outscoring them by double digit points. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of these really, really close hard fought games. And so um, a, a player, I don't know. I mean, buyout players don't really render much success because um, they're not a lot of good ones are bought out, but like, a buyout player might just choose Miami depending on who they are and what their pedigree is just because of Miami's previous pedigree about just these guys are going to play tough. They have a structure, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Right. I guess that'd be my selling point. Of course the beach is like, yeah. Yeah. And one more name to put in the buyout category, which this could be possible as well. I wrote another article about this report, Cam Reddish from the New York Knicks. That's someone who's young, athletic, he can make shots. He, he, that could be that three and D person I'm talking about. He plays both forward positions, but I mean, I would assume he would play power forward for us. Yeah. Probably be the Heat have history of, of digging up players from out of nowhere and, and just yep. making them, making it work here. And then they, <laughs> then they go to another team and you almost never hear about them again. They never yeah. reach that height that they did. Right. The heat. And that goes back from like, Ike Austin, and I'm dating myself again, but this is like Ike Austin territory where it's like they just pull someone out of nowhere uh, and they can and they can do that. But yeah, going back to the offense, um, yeah, okay, it's great that Oladipo is, is scoring a little bit more in these last few games, but 
you really think about it, the Heat don't have Tyler anymore on the bench, and they don't have Max anymore on the bench. Uh, it's somebody else has to has to help shoulder that scoring load. Maybe it's Victor, and maybe maybe it's like uh it's like what Matt was saying. Maybe that's a good uh, uh, job description out there. Like if somebody wants to sign with the Heat and come here, there's an opening here for a bench score for there'll be opportunities to score because especially when there's games like that Jimmy Butler will sit out. I I worry. I like I don't I don't think this Heat team has enough is going to score enough points to win. As simple as that. Well, it's it's a it's a story of like two teams. Like uh, the Heat, I think the Heat have found their defensive identity, especially with Oladipo back. But when it comes to scoring, it's a uh, there's something that's separated the Heat from mediocrity. I think the last uh, couple of years, and it's really three point percentage and how many how many threes that are converting on. Last year yep. in 2021-2022, Miami was the best team in three point percentage in the league, according to StatMuse. I'm just double checking it right now. Right now. We are one, two, three, four, five. We are we are fifth to last in the league. Uh, that's not great. That's thirty four percent versus thirty seven point. Hang on, let me double check. This is what's nice to have the double monitor. Thirty seven point nine percent from three last season. Uh, and versus what is that? Uh, that is thirty four percent on the nose. That's that's a, it's a huge swing, and I mean part of it comes from. Guys who delivered last year, not delivering, you know, um, nobody expected Duncan's regression to kind of continue. And like, to be fair, before he got injured, he was playing well again. Uh, Max went through a slump, uh, like, um, the recently and like he's bounced back a little bit, but you know, you look at someone like Kyle Lowry, who's been a really consistent shooter, like throughout his career from three. And like, I mean, he's probably not going to continue to score four points a game, but, uh, I see Matt got his hand raised. So I'll let him, uh, I'll lob it. No, up. no, you continue. I was just going to add on to your point. You can continue. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's pretty much it. It's just like, um, if you, it, like going back to the bubble, you know, when Tyler and Duncan and Jay were all just, you know, basically killing teams from three, uh, Dragic. yeah, Dragic too. Yes. Shout out Goron. Miss you. Um, you know, it's like, uh, the heat were virtually unstoppable, um, in my opinion. Uh, but yes, it, if you lose that key factor that really made those guys a lot of money. Um, you know, uh, over the last couple seasons, and like you're a very different team and not a particularly good one. Uh, Matt, I'm gonna love it back over to you to finish. Well, I was just gonna say, like, just to add on with the three point percentage, I would specifically render it down to catch and shoot three point percentage. He this year is second worst in the league in catch and shoot threes, they're knocking down like 33 and a half percent on 25 attempts a game. Last year, they had the fourth best three point shooting percentage in the league off catch and shoot opportunities. Um, at 38% on similar volume. Um, and that goes kind of, that kind of goes to what I was talking about earlier about the player movement and um, getting open opportunities and getting open looks. I mean, and not just standing around because it's easier to defend guys when it's standing around. I mean, I don't think it's just exactly that. Um, some of it's just, it's a make or miss league. It's a make or miss sport. That's just by nature of it, but it's such a drastic swing back and forth. And that's what like when the heat was in that, I think it was around this time of year when, a bunch of guys were hurt. I mean, we were having to sign hardship guys. I mean, but like when you really saw the emergence of like Gabe and Stu specifically, for example, um, they were making catch and shoot shoes. Not that they're not now, but like just in the team, in a team uh, oriented sense, it's not, it's not the same. It's, it, yeah. it's just, they're just not, they're just not making as many. I don't, I don't know if that's regression. I don't know if that's, I don't know what it is, but like, I think it would help if sometimes 
players would move more and set themselves up. But that's a different point. And I think that you were banking on internal improvement as well. Um, yeah. In, oh, yeah. in light of not being able to make many roster moves. Um, and that really hasn't happened. Uh, I have to be honest. I mean, there really hasn't been, wow, you know, this, this is the surprise player that came out of nowhere and is just contributing uh, uh, in every game. It just seems like every once in a while, there's a player that has a couple of good games and then nothing really happens. And there's, there's no sense of momentum. I think just recently now that he kind of strung together a little bit of a, not even a winning streak. I mean, there's, it's certainly not on the scale of the Brooklyn Nets or anything like that. Uh, but I, I, again, I, I struggle to see where the, how the heat can improve externally their roster, but also internally, if there's any moves that Spolster can make, we were talking about shuffling the roster, the, the lineup a little bit. Um, but it's, it's tough, but even still having said all of this, they're not that far away from the sixth spot. They're only two games behind the Pacers. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 there however they're three and a half games out of it entirely uh they'd be like the washington wizards i don't think it's going to get to that point but you know you also don't want to you know think that there would be any major injury or anything like that because that that would be it that would be the straw that breaks the camel's back for, for the heat at this point they need to go on 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 I, I don't know. I, they need to they need to redefine themselves basically and what they really want to accomplish this season because it's they run out of time. There's, they're literally in the halfway point. It's 41 games played now. Have we got an update on Tyler yet? Uh, yeah, I've seen an update for Bam. I haven't seen one. Maybe I missed it. I haven't seen. I think it's day to day. Yeah, they they said. Uh, I, th- I think it was uh, Spo said last night that like it was it was his ankle, not his knee, which is something good. But he oh. said like he'll be okay. he'll be like I think the exact quote was like he'll be sore tomorrow, but we'll take it day by day or something along those lines. Okay, because I mean when yeah. something like that happens, I mean oh. you you hope for the, you you hope for the best. Like obvi- well, obviously you hope for the best, but it's just like. That did not look good. I mean, of course, slipping like that could be like a hyperextension or whatever, but like that just didn't look good on the surface. And then, like I saw, they had an update for Bam. I think it was either last night or this morning that um, he had a wrist contusion. Uh, yeah, Tyler's Tyler, officially uh, listed as questionable with a left okay. Achilles soreness. Okay, for for, okay. for the Tuesday game. Yeah, I was going to say Tyler himself after the game last night. He he said that he was okay. So. Players can say that all the time. I, it's not. I don't necessarily believe it all the time. But that, is there a BAM? That's up a different point for a different day. Anyone know about a BAM update though? I X-ray, X-ray was uh, negative. So yeah, it was it was a wrist contusion. So he's also questionable uh, with that. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, that, that, listen, that could have been a lot worse for both. Especially yeah. after last year. Yep. Yeah. Also, BAM doesn't right. get an All Star selection this year. We riot. We need to do. We need yeah, to do should. a better job. <laughs> I think I tweeted this on the main account, but like all of us, myself included, need to do a better job promoting Bam. It doesn't feel like he doesn't get promoted that much. That's true. Whether it's yeah, fans, whether it's the Heat social media account, I know they've caught a lot of heat from uh, not necessarily promoting Bam at least the way that he should. Um, but like, we all need to do a better job promoting Bam because I mean, like, I get it. Like when I look at this stuff every year, whether it's. Uh, basketball or baseball like yeah there's always a few guys on there that probably shouldn't be on there but guess what their their fans are promoting them how can we blame them you pr- yeah. promote your own guys 
And we have to do better. Myself included. Myself included. The problem with Bam and even like Tyler Hero when it comes to the All Star game is Miami. Even when we were number one last year, we we usually already don't get any love. So Mm -hmm. for us to be the eighth seed, opposed to last year being the first seed and only having one All Star in Jimmy Butler, it's it's going to be pretty tight. It's going to be close. Yeah, it's tough though because Bam, like statistically, like the you know men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie, and Bam is getting better every year. Like he has his one All Star selection, and you, I, I'd argue that the the last two years since he's been a better player. This year he's significantly better. You know, for those who uh, complained like Bam is good, but like oh he's not aggressive enough. You know, he doesn't score enough. Uh, he has silenced the doubters, in my opinion, this year. The guy is uh, deadly for mid-range. Um, he can, like, if people say, oh, he's not a flashy player, well, go ask Joe Harris about that. You know, um, like, like he's put a, he's made a really good case this year. And I still thought last year was a little bit of BS that uh, that uh, only Jimmy got selected. But I think, like, right. like even in games played, Bam hasn't missed that much time. Like, he's made a great case this year, in my opinion. But, hey... We're, we're just about at time now, and uh, I know I don't want to take everybody's whole evening tonight, so I think, uh, you know, I'll let Syria have the last word here, but uh, it's good to be back. We, you know, nice to be back yeah. to the pod in 2023. Came back Definitely. to the drive, yeah. yeah, yeah, and we'll be more consistent with this, and hopefully everybody's uh, enjoying the podcast. Uh, please email us, give us suggestions for topics, uh, what you want to hear. Um, if you uh, enjoyed Dan uh, joining us, if you don't want him to come back, that, that's fine too. No, if you hate me, please tell me. <laughs> no, yeah, we uh, we we appreciate all of you guys for showing up. And uh, does anybody else have any final thoughts? Um, I think we're good. Keep better, start winning, Syria. We're doing a throwback to the big three era, like on this. Yeah, part. we could just talk about that. We could just talk about heat history. We don't have to talk about the current stuff. If that if that's if that's what the fans want, you know, we'll, we'll do what they want. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thanks, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll. We'll uh, we'll hit you with another uh, episode soon enough. Take care, everybody. Have a good night, guys. You too.